Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. Well, now it's Sunday of two of seven ten weekend, and it's time to jump into the t- into the rotation. That's one. We are so actually fun. getting professional looking, except yeah. for the fact we never quite start on time. And well, yeah, you know, but like it's our show, so fuck it, we do whatever the fuck we want to do, and you know, it's free for people. So like, we do this for people for free. So it's like, well, you know, let's, let's give them an inferior product. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, let's my- start the show by saying how bad the show sucks. Let's no, let's let's, today, let's start off by saying. Hi, this is Gary Stein, your <laughs> political director of Suncoast Normal, here with my co-host, Carlos Armida, Hi. who is officially my Luther, my uh, anger interpreter from Detroit. What? What is that? <laughs> I've decided to, I'm hiring you for that reason. Although the problem is, Carlos never seems to be angry about anything. Yo, that's the thing is like, that's why I smoke medical marijuana, because inside I'm just a ball of furious anger but the marijuana fixes it. So you're internally pissed. I'm internally pissed, but I just push that shit down, never let it out. Well, the topic here might just totally piss you off. What is it? <laughs> Delta 8. I sell Delta 8. Delta 8 that know. is part of the issue. I don't know if you guys are aware, but I have a story where I sell hemp products. That's right. And guess what it's called? Chillum. Hence the shirt. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let, let, let's let's get everybody up to speed here in case they don't know what Delta 8 is, although it's been kind of in and out of the news for the last uh, couple of years, because basically the Farm Bill of, uh, of uh, 2018 legalized hemp and all of its derivatives. And it's but it specifically said you cannot have Delta 9 THC at a rate of any more than 0.3 percent. But it kind of left out the names of all the other. Cannabinoids, CBN, well, CBD, like they CBC. Say, say, like it generalized. It said something like, as long as it's less than 0.3% delta 9 THC, the rest of the cannabinoids are okay. Yeah. And, they, and I think they were just trying to say, hey, you can sell CBD if you want to. And one of the t- cannabinoids in hemp, uh-huh. of course, is delta 8 T- THC, which is similar well, to delta 9, only because the carbon is shifted over one molecule. Well, what's crazy is there's several different forms of THC. There's, there's THCA, THCB, right. delta 8. Uh, I got delta 10 THC now. We're selling delta 10 THC, Chillum, and right. it's like stronger than regular delta 9. And, and THCA is the non-psychoactive. Uh, yeah. It is the acid form of the of THC. And it needs to be heated to be activated or decarboxylated, as you, you probably have heard for anybody who uses a magic butter machine. Yo, what, who does what, not who does not sponsor this show, by the way? They 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 good guys though. Hey, uh, but here's the thing though, right? So like uh, THCV, I can't wait for this shit to come out and like be out on the market because it's like it. it, it I hit a THCV pen once and I fucking got high, but I was hungry when I hit it. I, it took away my appetite. It's anti-munchy weed. Well, you know that Delta-8 actually does help control nausea. Really? I actually had to do a little bit of looking at to find out what the health benefits were of it. Uh-huh. But we do have kind of a medical program here, and we'll get into that topic a little bit later. But uh, in fact, a lot of people call it, you know, uh, weed light. Uh-huh. They, <laughs> they do. Here, here we say it's 70% as potent as Delta 9 THC. And now the question is that, because I people sell it as a distillate, but, uh-huh. but our, our, our friend uh, Greg Gerdeman, who is a a, 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 a pharmacologist, a doctor of pharmacology, among other things. A smart guy. Very smart guy. He talks about the fact that in order to to uh, get this product out, you actually have to use, do, use a reagent mm. on CBD 
to acidify it and, and move that carbon over one. So it's actually made from a chemical reaction and not merely just distilling it out. Yeah, like it doesn't, it, it grows naturally on the plant. Like Delta 8 is a natural chemical. At low levels, uh, yes. Molecule, yeah. It's very low levels. And in order to get that, you actually have to change CBD into Delta 8 THC. And like, you know, my friend Gary Stein here was saying. Um, but but here here's the thing. Like, it, it's not necessarily like, uh, and as uh, to the owner of a, a hemp store, you, you do have to be careful with Delta 8 because of that process specifically, because it could be dangerous if it's done wrong. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it, there's, uh, there's a lot of like components to it that could be harmful. You know, like I believe there's a there's some sort of solvent that needs to be used to move that that chemical over, and um, you know when it's not done correctly, it's it's bad. But delta ATHC is not necessarily a it's not at all a bad thing, right? Like it's it's essentially like water. Like water is always H two O, no matter if it's made in a laboratory or if it's made in the clouds in the sky or however it, God made water, man. But <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, wait, it, wait a minute. It, Did you catch that, guys? God made God water. God made water. Nobody Coming owns the lips of the biggest atheist in town. Nobody owns the water, man. God made the water. There you go. <laughs> but that it, just blows that whole atheist so, to the hell, doesn't it? So Delta 8 is a <laughs> natural thing. It's a molecule. It's proven to be naturally occurring in the plant, right? And it's safe. But if it's not convert if the conversion from cbd to delta 8 is not done properly it could be a dangerous thing and for those people who are in chemistry here they know there's a difference between a reagent and a solvent oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. what's the reagent okay a reagent is something that actually changes the chemical makeup of the of the item that you're you're working with whereas a solvent actually changes the physical thing as in as in removing it from a thing or, or diluting it out or allowing you to distill it out of a particular product but keeping the molecule intact here it actually the molecule actually changes so uh-huh. so here was the big question because you know we live in a country that loves to regulate right uh-huh. and they're saying well maybe we have to regulate delta eight and if we don't there'll be an unsafe product on the market now granted almost anybody with a chemistry set can make uh, Delta-8. Now, in college, we were distilling banana-ine from the bananas from the cafeteria because, you know, we can't, couldn't always afford that $16 brickweed. Mm. Uh, but the fact is, we were actually, you know, doing these little chemical experiments and we were actually ingesting that product. They don't really, they kind of frown on that uh, in, the, in the, uh, the government right now in regards to the fact that uh, it, a product should be regulated and checked to make certain it's fully safe well i don't think it's necessary like with delta 8 in particular i don't think it's necessarily if it should be regulated because cbd essentially is regulated by individual states already so like the department of agriculture has already come into the store looked at our delta 8 products made sure that the packaging is all right and even look for products that they found uh out there in the market already that have have had harmful chemicals in them um, so like they were on the lookout for these things. They did look at my stuff and all that. I think the issue is who regulates it. Should it be, uh, the D- department of agriculture or the office of medical marijuana, right? Or the uh, office of regulated industries, of regu- regulated industries. Oh, by the way, in case you, you, you haven't seen it yet, yeah. we've just been joined from our man above the beltway. Yeah. We've been going on Kano. I'm sorry. Hi, our, Kano. Our director. <laughs> Uh, of uh, Suncoast Normal, Chris Kano. As you probably heard, that the the, uh, the topic the topic of segment A here is Delta Eight, and the question is whether it should be regulated, and whether the government should get involved in it. Can't hear. Can't, we don't. We we can't hear you, Chris. Therefore, I assume he has nothing to say. Oh man. Okay. All right. So look, um, I am not a. Uh, conservative by any means, but I also am a master in public administration. So I am well educated and versed in how the government uh, regulatory structures can be corrupted by the market itself. Um, The FDA is a prime example of one agency that we have in this country 
um, where the regulators themselves are paid millions of dollars by the same pharmaceutical companies that they're tasked with regulating to write white papers in favor of those pharmaceutical companies' products. And so that in itself creates a concern in that um, anybody who's regulating uh, the cannabis industry needs to be uh, apart from the actual industry. They need to be away from, you know, and not have any vested stake or interest uh, in the people that they're regulating if we're going to do this properly. Mm. That's my two cents on it. Mm. And of course, the question is, because the MMTCs are really coming out full force right now to demand regulation of Delta-8. Now, is it, is it a safety concern or is it a profit concern? I, I'm, I'm asking the, the guys out there who, who are awake enough to watch the show right now, what do you think? Think that the MMTCs out there are trying to squelch Delta-8 because of profit concerns or safety concerns? Because they seem to be only talking about the safety. But is that really their concern? No, their concern is, is that people are coming to buy Delta-8 products at regular stores instead of buying cannabis because they're overcharging the shit out of us for regular cannabis. So, uh, all right, all right, so I may be a little bit biased here seeing as I sell Delta-8. But <laughs> let me chime in. Uh, since, yeah. since, since I don't sell Delta 8, I have no vested interest in it. Uh, I firmly believe that MMTCs, if they really had a vested interest in safety and protection of their patients, uh, we wouldn't see major MMTCs in Florida selling moldy product to sick people. That's <laughs> kind of what I was about to say. Like, they're not exactly doing their job right. Yeah, it's kind of. So, like why are they trying to say that somebody outside, like, they should pay attention to their own bullshit? So who do you think should actually regulate this product then? I, I, I said that it's already being regulated by the Department of Agriculture. It, yes, to, to, is, are they actually checking on the, uh, the production things of that sort? I went yes. to one of these CBD shows before the, uh, the pandemic. You know, and besides the fact that I couldn't help noticing that people were white, white labeling everybody else's products, in fact, that you had absolutely no idea where it came from. But the guy who won the, the the prize that day for the best new product, it was this guy that created a pet product, and he admitted that he was he was making it in his bathroom. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, did you make it next to the toilet or away from the toilet? Because if our dog drinks out of the toilet, maybe that's the reason why the, you are actually creating a pet product that you made in your bathroom and you're touting how great it was. Mm -hmm. Generally, they don't make med medicines or any products for consumption in bathrooms or well, basements for well, that matter that guy admitted to doing something illegal because i mean in the state of florida you it's what is it it's the cottage uh there there's some some rule that's about like cottage businesses it's called right, right? like you're not allowed to have uh your cbd business within your own home you have to be licensed to manufacture it. you have to be licensed to sell it Right. And the Department of Agriculture has to look at your products, too. I don't think there's there needs to be more than that. Now, I saw a very interesting article about regulation that came through yesterday. There is a school for uh, the uh, the mentally uh, impaired and things of that sort in Massachusetts that actually attaches shock electroshock devices onto their people so that they can go ahead and zap them whenever they are, are misbehaving or they're going out of control and things of that sort. And they claim that this particular thing actually helps. Now, my grandmother, when she when she lost her, her daughter to a childhood disease, was put into an institution and was given electroshock therapy. It was common back in the 1960s. Anybody who's, who's seen movies like Bell Jar or uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest know that it was very common. But at the FDA actually banned actually banned the use of, of electroshock therapy, and yet they were still allowing it in this one particular thing. And they, they, they sued, and it went to a, to a federal court that was associated with the FDA, and it actually said that the FDA cannot get involved in the relationship between the doctor and patient, and therefore they, they, uh, they flipped the ban. Mm. So if it's okay to fry someone's brain and nerve endings using electroshock therapy because you can't get involved between the doctor and the patient, what is going on with the Controlled Substance Act of 1970, where the FDA basically got in, in between the doctor and the patient and said, this has no medicinal value because we decided 
it has no medicinal value because there was already studies out that at that point in time saying that it did have medicinal value. And since 1970, there have been hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of papers verifying the fact it's still, it, that it does have medical value, and yet it's still listed as Schedule One right now. It's like they have a, to a blinder on. And yet here, there's actually a, a court order right now from a federal judge saying that even when it comes to electroshock therapy, the FDA has no right to ban it. So, guys, I think there's a bit of a misconception here by somebody. What do you think? Well, Gary, the one thing you got to remember is that the Controlled Substances Act wasn't a regulatory structure in the sense that it was, you know, empowering the FDA. Um, it was passed by Congress and elected officials consistently here in Florida and throughout the country get in between the patient-doctor relationship and even the relationship between two people who love each other. So, you know, the government overreached by our elected officials is really the big issue that we have with Schedule One status because, you know, Congress came up with these bright ideas to put cannabis in the Schedule One status. It's going to take an act of Congress to fix it, which is why we see the Moore Act uh, gaining traction again in, the le in this legislative session coming up, which is why we also see uh, Senator Schumer, Senator Booker, and Senator Wyden pushing their own uh, cannabis uh, legalization bill through the Senate. You know, it is the elected officials who screwed the pooch, and it is the elected officials in Florida who have created this system where we have a limited number of actors. Some of those actors are putting out bad products. Patients are, are, are overpriced, overtaxed, uh, you know, uh, and, and it's, it just doesn't work. And, and I think in the grand scheme of things, they never wanted it to work correctly in the first place. So that way, eventually, they could shut it down. And that's where we see, you know, allies like Senator Brandis um, being removed from chairmanships because he helped in his role uh, in a limited capacity to try and kill the THC cap bill. And I would not be surprised if uh, the person you who really that's happening in Brandis. Huh? Yeah, he, he was removed from his, his chairmanship. Of the judiciary uh, I didn't know they did that to him. And they, they put him in charge of government oversight instead, which is not making him very happy at all. And also takes him out of that role where he could possibly uh, kill the, the uh, <clears throat> that cat bill if it gets in front of him. But not just that, but like any cannabis bill that he wants to get. And the fact that Brandis was voting no on a lot of things this last year that they, they didn't expect anybody from the R side to go ahead and say no to, like S1 which was the bill for, that allows you to plow a car into protesters. And yet, I mean, he history has shown that, will show that he actually was on the right side of this because of the fact that that law, as soon as it was signed by the governor, already has legal challenges. And so therefore, it's not being implemented. Another bill that, that, was, that is, automatically got legal challenges is the, is the anti-John Morgan bill which prevents people from uh, putting any more than $3,000 into a ballot initiative. That has also been stayed by the courts, saying it is a, 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 a truncation of uh, First Amendment rights, and so therefore it, it cannot go forward. So it's not unusual for this the uh, legislature in Tallahassee to write a bill that automatically goes from the signature by, of the governor right into the courts, but it happens a lot. And especially in this last year and a lot of the bills that they came up with, including their voting bill and things of that sort, they're already getting a, a, a pushback on. And one other very important bill that they're, that they're already getting a, a pushback on, and which they were kind of like ignoring in the, in the, uh, in the news, it has to do with the, our, our licensing structure again. Uh, now, they had said that they are finally, now that Flora Grown has, has fallen, are going to start giving out uh, licenses, but they're going to start an application process. But they, they decided the way that they were going to do it is by giving out the Pigford license first. Now, the Pigford license, for those of you who aren't familiar, is the one minority license they were going to allow, and they were going to make certain that whoever was in it had to be in what is called the Pigford class, which was a class action suit from 1991, I believe it was, where, where people who, who, were, who were not allowed to get farm loans because they were discriminated against, as in African-Americans, uh, sued the, the, the government, and it created one of the largest class action suits in history. Yeah. And, uh, they, but, but, and when they started this out, they also had, they had two requirements. They had to be in the Pigford class, and you had to be a member of the Black, Florida Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association, which unfortunately was a closed group, and therefore, according to the Supreme Court, it created a special law. And so it was, it was automatically uh, challenged by a, a gentleman who was a farmer over in, in Pensacola. 
and they he held on to his lawsuit until they actually got Daryl Roussan to go ahead and file a bill that removed the Black Farmers Association, figuring that would make it go forward. But right behind Daryl Roussan, and something they don't even mention, is was a, uh, a Native American by the name of Donovan, Donovan Craig Tingle, also from the... Uh, the, 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 uh, the panhandle area, who was a Native American and a member of what is called the Keepsiegel class. And they didn't discuss the Keepsiegel class, but it was a similar class action suit that involved Native Americans, almost identical to the, uh, to the Pigford class. And so he had a rightful uh, reason to sue, and his case has been on a stay since July of 2019, waiting to see what was going on. He can activate it at any, any point in time and block the Pigford license from going forward. And that's interesting because the, the DOH says they're gonna give that license out first and they're gonna use it as a template for creating the application for all the other applications they plan on doing. But if that one license is held up indefinitely and you know how slow our, our judicial system works, it can sometimes take years for these lawsuits to go through, we're not gonna see any new applications soon because they're gonna be waiting for Pigford to go through. And it's an interesting little twist, but something they really did not have not been discussing. But luckily, you have us to go ahead and inform you, let you know just the kind of games that they're playing. But that that, that is where we stand as far as that's concerned. And I got to tell you that, that federal regulation, sometimes it works, sometimes it works against it. Now, today, for those of you who don't know it, uh, Richard Branson of Virgin Airlines is blasting himself off into space in, in a new uh a chance to allow ordinary people to get into space. Now, you might ask, because originally the, the Apollo program, after going to the moon and things of that sort, had planned over many next couple of decades to put citizens into space for various number of reasons, but it didn't happen. The number of people who could be astronauts was a highly constricted group. Why? Because the government was in control of exactly who they felt was going to go up there. So the whole idea of public use of going off into space was basically never happened. Even with the shuttle program, it was shut down before it went to that stage. And so they finally gave the program to the private industry. And now, finally, there will be people beyond government, <clears throat> the military and things of that sort to go into space. Hey, Gary. Hey, Kano. Yo. Guess what time it is. What time is it? It's time for an unfortunately named news segment by Gary Stein. Wow. <laughs> yeah, let, 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 let's uh, the name of the show, the show and go right to some little bits of news. It, to this well, was a very yeah, everybody who's listening doesn't know the unfortunate name, just the ones who are watching. So you, know, you got it. Carlos, Do what I have is the to name? Say yes, Carlos, yeah. what is the name of Gary's segment? The G Spot. All right, the G Spot. Because his Spot. name's Gary. That's right. It starts <laughs> with a G. And then there's another thing about a lady that I don't know much about, but you know, <laughs> I, I heard about it. Actually, there was a guy named Graffenberg who who uh, <laughs> who named it. Now I don't know, you know, where when he decided to go ahead and say, you know, something. Let me just you know check around and find a spot I want to name for myself. And he just kind of you know said, oh, look inside there. That's where it is. And and the girls got excited. But uh, that that's that's just the way it happened. So. Let's go on from there. This was a big week, actually, for, for news in the, as far as cannabis is concerned, because we had two states, Connecticut, uh, which, which moved into its legal state, and Virginia, which is interestingly enough now, guys, on July 1st in, in Virginia, and I was talking with Brett Poffenberger, our, our, ex, our, our former communications manager about this, you can now possess, use, and even grow cannabis in Virginia. But until they finish with the rules and regulations in regards to how you can sell it, which won't be until 2023, you can't actually buy it. Hmm. So if you get caught with it, no matter where it came from, which, you, which can't possibly be any legal outlet, uh, then you're, you're good. Isn't that kind of strange or isn't, isn't that pretty close to where you, things are over in Washington, D.C., uh, Chris? In D.C., it remains a gray market. And what that means is that you can't buy and sell cannabis itself as a commodity, but you can gift and donate cannabis. 
So oftentimes there will be nominal commodities available like a smoothie or stickers. And then they just happen to come with a complimentary eighth or ounce or uh, whatever you happen uh, to be gifted. And it is uh, an honor system, if you will. Um, you know, as far as its ability for enforcement, uh, I have never, you know, encountered police, you know, while being stopped with cannabis in the in the DMV area, you know, so you know, I can thank my stars there. But all in all, um, I'm not entirely sure, you know, uh, how it will play out. You know, uh, should you be hotboxing your car? No. Should you be smoking while driving? No. So those are still things that can still get you arrested in these newly legal states. So and definitely no. don't smoke on federal property. Of course, you know, remember that if one of the alphabet agencies own it, uh, you still cannot smoke on it. So Virginia, the, the, the first state in the oh, South to actually go ahead and move it forward is actually moving forward. However, and let's let's throw in some politics here. There is a gentleman who is going to be running against Terry McAuliffe for governor by the name of Youngkin that it was uh, is being pushed by the previous administration to get that spot. He actually did post the other day that. Uh, we need they need to repeal all the cannabis laws in Virginia because this whole idea about getting taxes as as revenue from cannabis has been overblown and that all the numbers in regards to taxes are concerned have really been pitiful in every single state they tried it. Now I don't know where he gets his truth from, but it, it's not from the real world. It must be from Earth too, because the fact is most states that have had, had taxed cannabis have gotten hundreds of millions of dollars in tax dollars put into their coffers which a lot of people need, especially after uh, after the last year that we had. Yeah. Well, Gary, part of the issue is uh, states in the South have been traditionally over the last 50 years, uh, states that uh, thrive on low taxes on that. That's their attraction to get people to come there. We're tax havens, you know, uh, come to Florida. We don't have an income tax. Uh, we don't tax medicine in Florida. And so you look at these other states in the South, and as the more and more begin to legalize it, um, they may run into an issue to where traditionally they haven't taxed certain commodities, certain products. And now, you know, that's the whole pitch behind cannabis legalization to create bar bipartisan support. Here's a product that we've been wasting our tax dollars, locking up Americans trying to regulate, and we can save money on the criminal justice side, on the legal side of an over, already overworked legal system. And on top of it, we can generate new uh, tax revenues. So, you know, it can make the Republicans happy by uh, cutting down big government. It can make Democrats happy uh, by, by being able to generate revenue to, uh, to fund, um, you know, social programs without actually having to raise income taxes or sales taxes. And the fact is, is that in certain states like Colorado, they've raised enough revenue to make sure every kid could, you know, eat for free in their school lunch programs. California is now doing that. They just passed a bill last week in California to where every kid in California will now have free lunch, not just poor kids, you know? And that, that's often been an issue for kids who are working poor. Sometimes your parents make just enough for you not to qualify for any special assistance, but they don't make enough for you to live well. And, and that's a, that's, you know, that creates a lot of food insecurity. And I think it's very important that things like school lunches are funded. Things like clean air programs are funded. And if we can use cannabis revenues and taxes from cannabis revenues to do that, then by all means we should. But repealing it because, oh, well, I don't think it's gonna make as much money as we thought it would, is an absolute asinine idea. And I'm glad that guy didn't get elected. <laughs> Well, Youngkin is trying again, and he's, he's, he's pushing it for the next election. And let's, let's just see how well he does, because the people of Virginia have already spoken. If somebody, somebody comes in there saying they plan on re reversing it, of course, I, I can't help but think thinking to the good folks of South Dakota, all five of them that I know. And, uh, and they have to deal with Governor Christy Nome. Uh, she, I spell it G-N-O-M-E. She spells it differently. But she actually put a stop on the, the uh, <clears throat> legalization in that state, even after the voters voted for it, just like they did in Mississippi. Though Mississippi is still working on legislation, it is totally stuck over in South Dakota right now. But that is what happens, the reason what happens when you have the wrong people in office who don't, who don't feel that they have any ownness to take care of their constituents in a way that, that they think their constituents want things done, but just the way they want things done for whatever reason. Maybe they want to appease a base that they felt pushed it up, or maybe because somebody gave them a whole bunch of campaign dollars that told them to do that. 
we don't really know what their motivation is all the time. But uh, we we know that things are changing and they have to go along with the changes. And along with those lines, because I have to throw this out, <clears throat> Shakari, we, we're with you. This We have a, a, a runner here par excellence, fastest woman on earth practically, who was banned from being able to go on the 100-meter dash in the Olympics because of the fact that she tested positive for THC, which she was using to uh, console herself at the point that her mom had just passed away as she's just getting ready to go in, into the Olympics. And uh, it's even gotten worse because at one point in time, they said that she was going to be allowed to go into the relay because her 30-day suspension would have ended just before the relay started. But now they're saying she's not going to Tokyo at all because they feel that rules are rules, even if they are archaic and stupid and actually don't, create issues because they are claiming that THC is a performance enhancing drug. Not. <laughs> if that were the case, I would be a triathlon winner. I honestly think, and I think Chris uh, well, would too. Well, I mean, the, I, not to go against, uh, I, I'm more, I, Richardson should run. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. But it has been known to like help people to like do further with their workouts and like it, it's not necessarily like a like steroids. It doesn't make your fucking muscles bigger, but it does help like alleviate pain and um, helps you really to get into your workouts. And like if you if you're it, it that, that's the difference, though, is like you still got to work out. You still got to fucking do all your shit like you still have to like end up becoming the best. And it's not like it'll actually grow your fucking specific muscles. You know what I mean? It's not like fucking steroids. Um, But but it's helpful. A lot of people use it to help them with their workouts and with their recovery. I mean, those people who are marathoners know you're running until you get to that point where you get to that Z-wall situation where you suddenly break through the pain barrier. And then you can just keep on running and running and running and running until you you stop. And cannabis actually helps. Uh, work on that z wall as far as moving it back uh, moving it towards you because you can you can manage pain better that is not necessarily a, per, per, a performance enhancing drug because yeah. if you don't want to run yeah. a marathon you're not going to run a marathon and if you right. want to train to run a marathon your, your muscles won't do it yeah it does not improve your muscles and she's a sprinter for goodness sakes it's, it's, it's not a matter of just breaking through the pain to, to to drive to run five miles it's a matter of having the musculature and the drive and the determination to be able to get past that that line faster than everybody else. And look, let's look at the logical contradiction that a lot of people are saying that smoking weed is bad for you, that it can't be medicine because smoking like uh, screws with your lungs. You know what I mean? So now you got you got a woman actually like uh, a, a swimmer and, a, and another runner, right, that are able to do this and win a 10 or however many gold medals that are out there um, while smoking. Right. So, um, I mean, I'm not going to call it a performance enhancing drug, but it definitely didn't hurt them. It didn't hurt Michael Phelps either. Or or Hussein Bolt. Between Phelps and Bolt, they got 48 gold medals between them. Right. Carlos, you pointed out the benefits of cannabis as an anti-inflammatory. That's no different than an Aleve or or an ibuprofen. And then we don't disqualify athletes for taking Aleve and ibuprofen. Right. So why are we disqualifying athletes for utilizing cannabis? Right. It makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense. They're going into a lot of contradictions when they get into this. You know what I mean? Like, uh, this stuff is bad for you. There's no way. Now it's enhancing your performance. You can't use marijuana because it makes you a better runner. No. Look, if if I was stoned out of my mind and and the gun went off, I'd probably still be in the blocks. You know, and, and you know, I kind of want to point this out. All right. So like marijuana was originally made illegal. Right. Due to, uh, you know, uh, some racist ideas. Right. And she happens to be a black woman who's proud of being black. Right. She also happens to be a gay, uh, a gay woman. And um, she's forced to take these drug tests that aren't designed to specifically find things like heroin or fucking cocaine or crack. Like these tests are specifically designed to find marijuana. So here's a black woman trying to to be the best woman at running in the world, right? And somebody's holding her back because she's gotta take a, it's a classic case of using marijuana as a racist tool. And that, yes. that and that's coming from the the World Anti-Drug Anti-Doping Association or WADA. <laughs> WADA, what do you think you're doing? 
<laughs> well, Gary, I'm glad you said that because Carlos has a link on the screen right now. Um, it goes actually to a blog on our website, um, you know, about letting Richardson run. But at the at the conclusion of that blog on our website is an actual petition you can sign uh, to the World Anti-Doping Agency uh, demanding that they end marijuana testing for athletes. And I'm asking everyone, to, if, you, if you're following along in the chat, click the link, uh, you know, feel free to read through the blog, but definitely uh, scroll to the bottom and sign the petition. You know, we, Shikari should be allowed to run. And, and the fact of the matter is in all of this, there was another athlete white, by the way, white woman, who tested positive for steroids and blamed on a pork burrito, and they allowed her to compete. Oh, carnitas, you know, you got to watch out for them suckers. A pork burrito? She, she got, she tested positive because for, she Was it pernilla or was it For steroids. She Jesus tested Christ. for performing-enhancing steroids and blamed it on pork burrito, and they let her I, run. That I is white see, privilege. I want to see community. a picture of this woman. If she is jacked like a motherfucker, <laughs> I am, and like hair on her face. And, and I'll be honest with you, I've been, uh, I've been eating pernil and, and that kind of stuff for a long time. I haven't gotten anything out of it. I'm not, I'm not having you, my mouth You just sure. haven't found the right burrito, Gary. <laughs> 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 you just keep looking, buddy. <laughs> you'll find it <laughs> that's the way it is so absolutely let's get involved in that and let's see if we can't make a change in regards to the world anti-doping association because they have got it wrong i mean the signal con single convention of the un changed last year the world is changing germany is getting ready to go adult use it's uh, as the first country in europe to go ahead and do that along with possibly portugal and the rest of, the, of, of europe is already uh, have, have medical programs and we need to, to move forward. They need to move forward and come to the realization that what they're looking for as a performance-enhancing drug, they're going after the wrong one. They're just, just and, and, and to Chris, what Chris is saying, there should never be a double standard for who or what you are in regards to how they, <clears throat> that they decide whether you should or should not be able to, uh, to compete if a particular uh, situation occurs with your testing. That's just wrong. Well, more and more professional sporting agencies are realizing that uh, cannabis does nothing but harm the actual athletes. I mean, in the NFL, you get a longer suspension for cannabis than you do beating your wife in public. And that is just Jesus wrong Christ, on so many levels. <sighs> you, know, you know, Ricky Williams was ahead of his time. So many of us judged him in the public light. Oh, this guy's a pothead who just, you know, like, stop smoking. You're making millions of dollars. And it's like, no, I'm making millions of dollars. I've never been a millionaire before, you know, and, and I have all this coming on, on me right now, all this anxiety. Uh, my body's aching. You know, I'm getting hit by 300-pound men on a daily basis. A little bit of cannabis at the end of the day is not killing anybody. But they, 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 they attempted to crucify him and kill his career. And then here we are today, you know, we've seen other athletes. Michael Phelps got actually caught on camera hitting a bong rip. And all the, what they do, they didn't take his Wheaties endorsements away. They made him do a public apology tour on the night shows, and that was the end of it. You know, I so get the, the munchies. I like Wheaties. <laughs> so, uh, sorry to cut you off, Kenny. You no, know, that's the only time you eat cereal, right? Like a normal <laughs> American adult only eats cereal when they got the munchies, right? <laughs> it, is like the, some corn it is the perfect munchy food. <laughs> I definitely think it's the perfect munchy food. I mean, you think about it, you got like fucking uh, milk in there to kill your cotton mouth, and then you got the munchies, like the sugar and shit. So, like, I want some cereal. Well, Carlos, sensationalism and racism when it comes to marijuana, um, you know, illegality have always gone hand in hand. I'm looking at that poster behind you and it's saying marijuana is a dangerous drug. And there's a guy who looks like Billy D. Williams injecting a, a needle into a white woman's arm on that poster. And I'm just like, um, you don't inject marijuanas. So why is that on the poster? <laughs> like, why Why did the government think that was an appropriate ad no. in any way, shape, or form? I, I remember you actually pointing, because this is a very famous uh, uh, part uh, propaganda, and I remember you pointing to it one day, and you're like, look, man, like, doesn't that look like a black guy? Like, didn't they make his nose big and like his like this is like racistly drawn as a black guy? Well, it must be. And <laughs> that actually came from the King James Bible, which said that the mark of Cain was the darkened skin and the, and the flattened nose. 
I think King James was a racist. I don't know, possibly. I, I think or the people who, who helped him write his, his new version of the Bible. But that, that, that's the kind of thing we've been dealing with for, with, it's for like so many who, years. Who would ever argue? It's like, no, King James was not a racist. Mm, <laughs> they no. were all racist. He just, he just started a transatlantic slave trade for England and, <laughs> and colonized the entire new world where there were native people already here. How could he be a racist? If only like, they had critical race theory in the, in the, medieval, in, in the middle, middle Ages, right? Well, Gary, that's an interesting thing. You know, so many things intersect with cannabis policy. Critical race theory is something that really, if you look at it, it, it cannabis is, is perfect for examination through the lens of critical race theory. Why do we have a policy of a plant that Thomas Jefferson was selling in order to uh, acquire arms for the Continental Army? And yet somehow in this nation's history in the last uh, 50 years, it has become public enemy number one according to Nixon. Yeah, Nixon had a lot of public enemy number ones. He, he, he saw them all over the place. He was just slightly paranoid. I don't know if it had to do with his Quaker background or what, but Tricky Dick was having a lot of issues. Well, his, his domestic policy advisor, John Ehrlichman, uh, you know, uh, as he got older in life, and I, I don't know if he wanted to cleanse his soul or get into heaven or what, pointed out that they knew that, you know, the anti-war left, and the civil rights leaders were the main uh, voting block that was going to be a, a hindrance to their domestic policy. And, you know, they knew they couldn't make it illegal to be poor or young or black, but they do know what people's pleasures are. And if they knew that, you know, we could over-criminalize something that everybody utilizes, like like cannabis, like marijuana, then, you know, then, then they could effectively uh, squash any domestic opposition to them politically. And then we have a whole group of people who have grown up a lot, uh, pretty much Gen Xers, if you will, who told this line of rules are rules. And I'm thinking, since when in America do we mask fascism with legalism? Since when in America do we attempt to mask, you know, your patriotism for the U.S. track and field team, you know, with the racism that you really intend to? Because I've seen this argument from so many people, and it goes across the political spectrum. It's not just Republicans. It's not just Democrats. It's a whole slew of people out there giving this lame-ass excuse, oh, these are the rules and everyone should follow them. And I'm like, shut up. If the rules are racist, <laughs> if the rules are bad, they should be broken. They should be changed. And, and, and it just irritates me to know that people can't wake up and, and realize that. I mean, you know, for the guy who, you know, Carlos says doesn't exist, uh, you know, or, 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 or rather the divinity of that guy doesn't exist. Jesus was someone who broke the rules consistently. He said these rules are bullshit and he broke them. You know, oh, look at him. He's doing something on, a, on the Sabbath. You know, oh, oh, my God, look at this. It, you know, and, and here's my thing. In the grand scheme of things, if you see something is wrong, then what would Jesus do? In some situations, he'd flip over a table and start whipping people's ass publicly. And I, I think... I, <laughs> personally, I just think that Jesus wanted to get stoned. <laughs> and he got the cross. <laughs> hey, so... <laughs> So here's the thing, though. I, I fully believe this. Nobody has any balls anymore. Nobody, everybody wants to fall in line and conform. Well, John Wayne Babbitt doesn't have any. Everybody says, everybody says that, that while they're conforming, that because they're conforming to this specific group, that they're the real renegades. But the truth is, is that everybody's just trying to be a part of a group. Now, you know something? Suncoast Normal, we're the renegades because we're trying to go ahead and change things for the better. You guys should totally join our group. I think you should totally join our group and it, because we are a membership driven organization. And if you go ahead and become a member, you will get to go with us to go ahead and make the changes in this program to make things happen, to make things better. Cause we don't just sit on the sidelines and say, we think this should change. We go up to the front line and we say, we're getting ready to change it. Now to that, to that effect, I wanted to go ahead and throw something out here. Cause this, this will be the end of the G spot here for the day. Yeah. <laughs> Get excited, folks. But the, yeah, the situation is here in Florida, we have a medical program. And for a very good reason, because people need this medically. And yet, uh, I guess it's a new expression out there talking about the people who, who run a lot of these companies are called chads. And I don't think they're talking about those little tiny pieces of paper that when you punch out the bolt, the, uh, the ballot, it keeps on hanging. But, but, if, but the fact that these are guys who are like banker types and, a, a, and uh, finance types who are getting involved in the cannabis industry who know nothing about cannabis. The only thing they understand, which is green, is money. And everything else is just looks like money. 
<laughs> That's just the way it is with these guys. So we need to go ahead and fix our medical program to make sure it looks medical because even just looking at the advertising over over for 710 weekend, it looks more like ads for adult use as opposed to for, for medical. I didn't say anything about a sale on a product which does great for Crohn's or a sale on a product which does great for PSD or a sale on a product which does good for anxiety syndrome or any of the other things we're trying to, to battle there. What they say is that this will get you a nice buzz. This will get you a different kind of buzz. This'll... And if I go into a, a dispensary and I ask them about a particular product and they say, this thing has 23.4% THC, I'll say, fine, what does it do? What, 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 what conditions is it good for? What is the best condition for my daughter's migraines? And I get the blankest stares you've ever seen in your life. And then I ask him, what is the cannabinoid profile and what does it do for this product? Why does it work because of this cannabinoid profile? Or why does it work because of the terpene profiles? If they don't know what a, a terpene profile is or a cannabinoid profile is or what it does, they're selling an adult use product. And I don't, there's nothing wrong if, there, if we actually had an adult use pr uh, program, but we're talking about people who need this for medical use. And if we go in there and... We, are, we have people behind the desk who are paying minimum wage or just slightly above, have no certification, have very, very little training, and really don't know the product. Are they doing, are they the, doing the benefit they should be doing? And to that effect, I, I'm working on another bill for this next session that I'm parsing right now to try to fix the situation. And one of the ideas that I came up with, of course, is to make certain that those guys behind the counter have some kind of certification some kind of training program where, where they also have testing and a, and a certificate, which says they actually know what the hell they're selling. We actually know how the heck it works. Have a list, a little idea of pharmacology. And beyond that, I believe that for, uh, for a dispensary that has at least five dispensaries, that should have a registered pharmacist on call, either to, to talk to patients in person before they, they, they go in there and make, make their decisions or to talk to them via telehealth. <laughs> Uh, and therefore, they would have more be, be better informed as to what they're, they're, they're doing and to make certain they don't buy a product that costs them an arm and a leg and yet it doesn't help their arms or their legs. <laughs> Essentially, I, I think that is so important. So I'm, I'm parsing the language right now. And if you guys could give me an idea of what you think about this and what you think should be in the bill, let's get together and let's, let, let, let's go ahead and, and put this forward. And then we'll add it to the other bills that I've already started uh, uh, pitching to various senators and representatives that we've done in the past, as in the employee protection bill, so that you don't lose your job because you have a medical card, the medical protection bill that makes certain that you can't get kicked out of your assisted living facility, or if you're in the hospital, they, they don't take away your medicine, and you, for God's sakes, don't get kicked off that, that transplant list because of the fact you have a medical card. And of course, we are going to try to expand the number of qualifying conditions to more than just the 10 that we have right now to include so much more that it can possibly do so the doctors don't have to do any mental gymnastics when it comes to get, giving a recommendation. They can give it exactly for what you have, not what, whether your situation is of a like or similar kind that the Department of that the Board of Medicine or the Board of Osteopathic Medicine can say no to later on because they feel that they don't agree with your with your thought process. So we, we need to go ahead and fix that. And of course, tourist reciprocity. We had such a bad year of tourism in 2020 and Florida lives on their tourism. We usually have 120 million tourists every year. And if we think about the fact that we have 120 million tourists every year and that approximately 9% of the country right now has a medical card. Looking at that, if you create a situation where for $10, you can get a reciprocity fee that allow you to go to MMTC, give them the, the, the ticket and buy as much as you need for your, your stay here. That could actually, uh, number one, allow people to come to Florida and get the medicine they need so they don't have to worry about, you know, people not having their medicine while they're here because that can actually change uh, vacation plans. I don't want you guys to go ahead and have to you know, freeze your us out in, in Colorado for a vacation when you can come to sunny Florida. But if sunny Florida doesn't allow you to have the medicine that you need for your PTSD or for your fibromyalgia or whatever, it doesn't become an option for you. So let's go ahead and make it easier for people to get reciprocity. And those reciprocity fees, if you have a, a $10 fee for each person to go to the, M, the MMTC and, and purchase what they need for their drink, that could actually raise approximately 70 to $80 million in the state of Florida and pay for that stupid visit Florida tourism uh, ad, ad, advertising program. Hopefully they won't do any more $1 million commercials with, with Pitbull. That, that was kind of like overpriced. Uh, but the fact is, 
they are they actually are doing commercials in Abu Dhabi to come to, to Florida and our tax dollars are paying for it. Well, Gary, so, years ago, the, the Florida legislature stopped giving out uh, subsidies to the film industry. So many of the the you know very prominent shows like CSI Miami that you think take place in Florida are filmed in North Carolina or Georgia. Mm. Like, it, yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. And, 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 and you know, you mentioned earlier about uh, folks who work in the dispensaries. You know, uh, really, the only requirement is you can pass a level two background check, which precludes folks who have previous uh, legacy market experience in many cases. If you've been popped while working in the legacy market, you'll never be allowed to work in Florida's legal medical marijuana market until they change the laws and change the regulations around employment. And I think that's a, a big issue uh, that has to be addressed. But one thing that we do can see hope on in the near future that I think is important is that uh, cannabis is a nonpartisan, um, panpartisan, if you will, bill in that regardless of what political ideology you affiliate with, major a majority of people across every ideology believe that cannabis should be legal. And to that point, there is now a new group called the Cannabis Freedom Alliance, which is being uh, uh, bringing together normal, bringing together um, right-wing groups as well, like Americans for Prosperity. And there's some clear, clear goals. You know, you can get the most right-wing Republicans and the most left-wing of, of Bernie Sanders supporters together to say that cannabis should be a freedom that we have in this country, plain and simple. And there's some clear goals in establishing a regulatory framework that promotes public safety while allowing innovation, industry, and research to thrive, but also ensuring that individuals previously involved in the illicit market can effectively secure a second chance and contribute to the legal market. And I think that is a key point there that, you know, uh, across the, the, the political spectrum, we all should be able to agree on, is that this was made illegally for the wrong reasons. People have criminal records and, and, and histories that they're saddled with, and that should not preclude you from getting involved into a brand new market. We should release every pot prisoner in America. Plain and Illinois is doing mass expungements. New York is doing mass expungements. New Jersey is doing mass expungements. How about Florida? We've got our jails pretty damn full, and our prisons are pretty damn full. And a lot of it, a lot of it is nonviolent cannabis offenses. And a lot of them, they couldn't afford sometimes even the, uh, the, the treatment programs. And so, therefore, they end up getting jail time. Just like they, they, they couldn't afford to pay their, their bail bonds. And, and they, so they end up uh, locked up behind, uh, behind bars for what it really should not even be a crime, according to the Schaefer report, which was commissioned by Nixon after the Controlled Substance Act, said cannabis possession should not be an offense, but merely contraband in public, just like alcohol. But we'll, <laughs> we will have to change that in, in due time. Now, Chris, there was a, something that came up this last week. The Department of Commerce... I actually had decided to reschedule uh, cannabis dispensaries and retail shops as smoke shops. Now, what does that necessarily mean for, for, for dispensaries and their attitude towards cannabis as a legal product as opposed to an illegal product? Any idea? I think your mic went out, Kano. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea, you know, it, how, how this is going to affect the grand scheme of things. You know, that's the that's the really the biggest part is that we cannot do cannabis legalization piecemeal because, as you can see, we have a situation now where over half the country, you know, lives in states where they have access to grow it. You know, uh, but then you might be in the state next door where you can lose your kids uh, uh, for for having it. You know, you could drive uh, to grandma's house because she's sick two states away and you just happen on the way back to get pulled over uh, and and then you end up in, in a legal battle you never thought you'd be in. So it, it, what I'm saying is that cannabis legalization has to come from the top. If Congress and the President of the United States cannot get their shit together to get this passed, then there's no reason why they should get reelected. And this is coming from someone who's been a lifelong Democrat. Democrats, get your shit together and legalize weed. <laughs> I, I think that, 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 that there's problems on both sides wouldn't you agree at this point guys let's not get into republican democrat 
We've been talking about a lot of bullshit that's going on throughout the entire yeah, I, I, show. And, you know, it, it's all it's all important shit. I'm not calling it bullshit. I'm calling it important shit. But, you know, this is all draft stuff. And, and I really want to get into, you know, some good things to come. Yeah, we rather to say about the fact that even though 710 was yesterday, we're not over with 710 here at Suncoast Normal. We have a 710 event actually coming on 730 because of the fact we want to drag this out. Yeah, we want 20 days of 710. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. If you get 12 days of Christmas, we should have 20 days of dabs. So so on July. We have the advent calendar for that. Can't we do that with a, little, with a bud and I'm behind each one? <laughs> so on or a dab for that July matter. 30th. Well, we could do like a dab a day for 20 days. Um, or, or 20 dabs a day for... But guys, if you 20, do that, clean your rigs. I mean, set, the, I don't want to do that yellow gooky stuff at the bottom. That's not good for I don't want to limit the amount of dabs I got to do for 710. But you still got to clean in between, do don't you think? 20 dabs a day. And no, I'm not, I never clean my rigs. <laughs> you just get a new one, Gary. Um, yes. but, but we, we've got, uh, We're not as rich as you. coming up on July 30th. <laughs> not Carlo, by rigs Carlo, for me. Carlos has more stained glass in his collection than a, the medieval church. <laughs> <laughs> I cleaned some of my old pieces recently and yeah, so they're 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 gone. You like, should break up your rigs and just tape them to the window so you have a nice little stained glass window. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the sense. goddamn talent show instead okay. of about dirty dirty bombs. So what, 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 <laughs> what hey if I got G spot, you got dirty bongs. <laughs> That's the name of my new So segment. what is gonna happen on seven thirty? that we are involved in and our membership is going to be involved in and anybody else who wants to come by and commute with greatness. Well, we want to show the talents of our membership base and we want to show that uh, marijuana people have uh, talents and are successful and are, are great people. So we're going to hold a talent show. That's now, right. For talent shows, by the way, cannabis is a performance enhancing drug. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But we the will higher not be you are for the talent show, the better you will do. Probably. It's ju- probably. just a fact. And but if you can follow I, them in the talent show, you'll feel much better about yourself if you're high. Or you'll get up to the, to the mic and you'll totally forget what you were going to do. And we've got a special celebrity judge, don't we, Kenna? Yes. So our, our, our talent showcase, Suncoast Normal's Got Talent. Um, if you're a local artist, whether you're a singer, a comedian, a, mu- uh, a musician, uh, come on out, share your talent. It is a competition. So, um, you know, uh, for all the talent entry fees, uh, the grand prize will be $300 in cash to the winning talent. And we have a very special celebrity guest judge who is a very locally talented artist in the city of Tampa. Uh, Hip hop star Tom G will be a celebrity judge and will be closing out the night uh, performing a couple songs in his guest set. Uh, So shout out to Tom and Team Fetty uh, for being a part of this amazing event. Uh, Tampa is going to show out. So get your advance tickets now while they're on sale. If you're interested in entering as a talent or you know someone who's talented, get them now before we close out the talent entries. Um, You know, we were going to have a very exciting night. It's going to be a lot of fun. So get your tickets now and we will be seeing all of y'all at the end of this month at Suncoast Normal Scott Tower. Yeah, we're, we're, we're almost through this pandemic, folks. It's about time to open up and, and have some fun again. And this is our way of contributing to the uh, the new normal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the new, get, get that, no, the new normal. We're, we're us. We're, we're Suncoast Normal. We're not only normal, but we're talented. <sighs> <laughs> That's the way it works. Yeah. That's right. Some of us have been able to be part of some amazing events that we've had in the past, like our most recent one, the Best Blunt in the Bay Rolling Competition. Uh, so, you know, if you think you have a talent as well, I'm willing to judge that. If you can, within five minutes, roll me a super talented blunt on stage that smokes and works well and looks really cool, I'm willing to take that as a talent entry as well. So bring your talents, enter into the show. $300 cash prize for the winner. A uh, very funny comedian who's going to MC the event, uh, Rio Paris, who you've all have seen at the Improv, Side Splitters, as well as on Netflix. Uh, so I'm really excited for this event. And, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, team, everything goes to a good cause, and that is proceeds going to legalize it. And I think that pretty much wraps us up for the day. I got to <laughs> start my Sunday. I've rotated out for the time being. Well, I mean, I guess uh, I guess that's the end of the show, guys. 
Oh, jump into rotation next Sunday, y'all. Lady. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been the rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member, because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website again is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.